Welcome to a brand new edition of Problematic Women. I'm Lauren Evans. And I'm Virginia Allen. And today is a Bones Day. Tell us what this means, Lauren. Oh my gosh, Virginia. <laughs> I, I try not to talk about TikTok on this show. I know, that's a lie. No, no, I promise you, I am trying. But this is just too good not to share. So this is a new trend. It is videos by at John Grass. And he has this elderly pug. And his name is Noodles. And he, every morning, he wakes up and he sees if this pug has bones or doesn't have bones. So he, like, sits and puts him in the sit-up position. And if he sits, he has bones. And if he just kind of, like, plops over, back down. he has no bones. And it's like a horoscope. So if it's a bones day, it's like, seize the day, treat yourself, go out, do big things. And if it's a no bones day, you know, stay at home. <laughs> Take it easy. It's a no bones day. And... It's a Bones Day. So I, I'm so happy right before we're recording this podcast, came out it's a Bones Day. And you know what? We're going to seize the day. We're going to seize the day. We're working hard today because it's a Bones Day. It's a Bones Day. <laughs> well, I'm super excited. Mary Margaret Olin is joining us for the first time in studio. Mary Margaret, welcome. Thank you so much. Now, you have just joined the Daily Signal. This is, I think, just your second week, right? Yes, it's my second week. I think maybe day six. Six, day five, and I'm loving it. Good. <laughs> we're glad that we were able to drag you in already to Problematic Women. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm happy to be here. Well, super excited for the show. Lauren, tell us what we have queued up. Up on today's Problematic Women, has the pandemic changed dating forever? We discuss online dating in the age of COVID-19 and the Surgeon General's advice to young people. Plus, in celebrity news, Kourtney Kardashian and Travis Barker are engaged, and Kanye West officially changed his name. We also discuss what lessons we can learn from a crime in Philadelphia last week, and as always, we'll be crowning our Problematic Woman of the Week. Each week on Problematic Women, we sort through the news to find stories that are of particular interest to conservative-leaning or problematic women, those whose views and opinions are often excluded by those on the so-called feminist left. If you are a problematic woman or just someone who supports strong, independent women, please consider supporting us by leaving a review or a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and encouraging others to subscribe. It really does make a difference. All right, well, let's get to it. For those of you who have been listening to Problematic Women for a while. So everybody, obviously. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> you may remember that way back in the middle of 2020, Lauren and I talked about how to date safely in the age of COVID-19. Well, the U.S. Surgeon General Vivek Murphy and folks over at Hinge clearly missed that episode of Problematic Women because they have just now released their own guide for dating during the pandemic. Let's take a listen to a clip from that video made by Hinge. Number one is, is to recognize that getting vaccinated is the single most important thing we can do to reduce our risk. And if both people are vaccinated, 
That helps tremendously. The second thing to, to remember is whenever possible, being in outdoor settings versus indoor settings really redu reduces our risk of transmission. And finally, keep in mind testing. You know, testing is, is a tool uh, that we can use, especially a rapid test to give you back results within 10 to 15 minutes. Just know that getting a same-day rapid test can give you and your partner some assurance uh, that you're at low risk for spreading the virus. So the video is six minutes long in total, and the Surgeon General, he does give some, I felt like, kind of practical advice in some ways. Uh, a lot of his opinions, I didn't see anything particularly shocking, but my reaction was more just so, why are we still talking about this? We're a year and a half into the, into the pandemic, and I feel like at this point, most people have decided, especially with something like dating, what they are and are not comfortable with. But I know Mary Margaret, Lauren, you guys saw this. You read the article about it, watched the video. What were your reactions? It was super cringe. It was so <laughs> cringe. I mean, he came from a well-meaning spot, but it it was it wasn't quite like your dad giving you dating advice, maybe like your nerdy older brother, you know, like it was just hmm. like you should talk about this and what if it gets uncomfortable? Talk like this. And I'm like, um, have you been on a date recently? Because that's not how things go. <laughs> I don't think he has because he's married with kids. I, so. I'm sure. And that's the other thing. I Every time I see one of these videos, it makes me laugh because, first of all, I think, who is going to watch this and be mm -hmm. like, that's good advice or I'm going to do this. Like, I would love to meet the woman that watches that video or man and is like, oh, I want to follow that man's advice on dating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it was like, you should both wear masks indoors when you meet. And I'm like, it just seems like the people who are not going to wear masks indoors and the people who wear masks indoors, it's a good sign, like, whether or not you're compatible dating. And it's, <laughs> it should come up even before you meet of, like, what's your COVID level of safety? And because mm -hmm. could you imagine if you showed up and, like, you don't want to wear your mask and or vice versa, you want to wear your mask and the person showed up? Like, it's just <gasps> even more awkward. Right yeah. Off the bat. yeah. <laughs> no. And at this point in the pandemic, I think that most people – if you want to get vaccinated, you already are. And if you don't, you're not. And not much is going to change that. You know, we have, we've reached a point where many people have already made a decision on how they're going to approach COVID. And so it just it feels so overdone. You know, we've been here. We've done that. We, we know how we want to date now. So why mm -hmm. are we still talking about it? Mm -hmm. Like you were saying, Virginia. The one thing I appreciated that, well, yeah, the main thing that I appreciated <laughs> that he said was he did... He didn't get into specifics, but he said, don't judge people for the decisions that they have made around COVID. And it's like, all right, I'm going to infer what you're talking about there is if someone has chosen not to be vaccinated, don't write them off as crazy. Like, uh, I think that's a big stretch. Yeah, <laughs> I, I think you're being really nice. I, mean, I, I am going to be nice. <laughs> I'm going to give him the benefit literally of the, the first, doubt on this one. <laughs> the first, literally the first slide was like, get vaccinated. What are you doing? Yeah, no, I mean, the first slide was, was get vaccinated. And we listened to that in the clip. But I like to think that we can all take that piece of advice to heart to no matter where you stand on on COVID and your thoughts of mask wearing and vaccines to each his own, let people live their own lives and make their own choices. That's a very good point. Well, I mean, Hinge loves when people make choices. That's why they have like 30 plus gender options. <laughs> <laughs> and you can choose up to four different pronouns on your profile. <laughs> and you can also add publicly like Virginia Allen. 20-something years old in Washington, D.C., vaccinated yep. on your profile, like first thing people see. So uh, Hinge has a lot of things to work on. And 
I just, why is the federal government and Hinge coming together to make videos about dating? Like, it just seems like with everything else going on in our country, like, a huge waste of time. (laughs) Well, do you all think that the pandemic has actually changed the dating scene? This is an argument that we've been hearing really since the beginning of COVID. At, you know, in 2019, a lot of dating sites, their usage was actually going down. And they were not meeting the metrics that a lot of experts were saying they're probably going to get this much increase, this much increase, and they were falling far, far short. But then March hits 2020 and dating apps skyrocket. Dating.com reported that online dating was up by 82% in March of 2020. People were writing articles about this phenomenon of, of will the dating scene be changed? Will things like uh, Zoom dates stick around for years and years to come? What do you all think? Well, just from what I know of D.C. women and their dating lives during the pandemic, like you were saying, that nobody was dating when the pandemic started. But as things started to open up and, you know, as a lot of conservative uh, men and women were more open to dating, I think, earlier than more liberal men and women were, I would say, just because there was less less fear maybe on the right than there mm-hmm. was on the left. And I heard about a lot of girls who were more liberal leaning who didn't want to they, they didn't want to be known as anti-mask or that they were endangering people by going out and dating. So they were doing it really secretly and quietly mm. and they were going out on a date, but maybe not in public. And then they were maybe uh, having some kind of hookup, but not publicly. And I heard about this a lot from my hmm. sister who has some more uh, left-leaning friends and from other girls I know. And I found it super interesting because, you know, they didn't want anyone to know they were doing it because, you know, oh, for shame, you yeah. be spreading COVID. But they still wanted to be meeting people. And then, you know, on the right, all these girls, including myself, are going on dates as the country begins to open up again. You can see more people. But it's so hard to meet people if you're not on dating apps in the age of COVID because everyone was still working from home. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not going to happy hours. You're not going to parties. Um, and that is something I find really interesting because, you know, now the country is pretty much fully, fully open. People are back at work. People are out and about. And organic relationships seem to be a lot easier to come by now. But we did go through a phase when online was pretty much your only option. Yeah, yeah. I think anecdotally, there was a couple months right at the beginning of the pandemic where people were home, they were with their parents, they were really close with their roommates. And yeah, you didn't meet anybody because it would be weird to be home with your parents and trying to date, right? But then as things opened up more and more, it it led people to date outside, whether that in D.C. it's a lot of meetings on rooftops, at outdoor bars, at parks, on the mall. And I just love that. There's not as much pressure. It doesn't have to be a long sit-down dinner. There's people around I wouldn't recommend going on an outdoor date for a hike in the woods. It sounds very murdery. But it's a good third date. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think so. Except for me, I hate hiking. Mary Margaret, that's I something you learn about hiking. Me. <laughs> um, but I think, yeah, you're right. Like things have been back to normal, and people know where they stand. We don't need the government coming in and telling us if you're comfortable with this, and make sure that this person in, and telling us who we shouldn't and should not kiss like that's just there's just something so weird about it that i think there's nothing necessarily wrong but it just kind of doesn't pass the gut check this video Mm -hmm. well and you can't replace in person which i I will give him credit for that like he talks about the importance the surgeon general talks about the importance of connection but 
I think Zoom has served its purpose. I'm I'm done with Zoom. Yes. <laughs> and I certainly uh, don't feel any need to be going on a Zoom date when we can, like you said, Lauren, meet outside, grab a coffee, walk through a park much, much easier and more personable. And you can actually get to know someone in a much easier, I think, and, and faster way when you have that in-person interaction. All right. Well, dating advice. There's always always people offering dating advice. Sometimes, uh, sometimes it's asked for, sometimes it's not. But have Mary Margaret, have you ever gotten a piece of actually really helpful dating advice? Yes, I have. And I feel like it's kind of a piece of dating advice that you have to learn the hard way because that's just kind of how it works. <laughs> but a long time ago, someone told me, and it's in the movie, he's just not that into you too. <laughs> um, but they told me if a guy is into you, you will know and you won't have any questions and there won't, it won't be stressful. You'll just know. And I think that is one of the best pieces of dating advice I've ever received because you know, if a guy is into you, you actually will know. You don't have to stress. You'll be getting the texts. You'll be getting the invites on dates and stuff. Uh, there won't be any questions, basically, mm. about whether he's into you. That's and I so tell funny. that to my sisters and my friends all the time, you know, whenever there's anxiety about whether he does or doesn't. I'm like, oh, probably not. <laughs> <laughs> it takes the pressure off in yeah. a lot of ways. It's like, well, he'll let me know. Yeah. It's and if he job. doesn't, then... Next guy. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> one of one of the pieces of advice that have served me well is uh, coming up in advance. I actually have a list on my phone um, of just good questions because mm. when you hit those like awkward pauses, especially on first and second dates where you're like, OK, I've already asked you what you do for a living and like, are you from around here? Then it's like crickets, <laughs> uh, especially if the guy is a little bit quieter. So having a couple like random go-to fun questions to <laughs> actually give you, it's so helpful, Lauren. That's such a good idea. It's so helpful. That gives you insight into who the person is. So like I'll ask people like, okay, if you're going to a cabin for a weekend and you can only take a backpack, what's in the backpack? And you can learn a lot about like people's interests <laughs> and like what they do for fun. But it's an out of the box instead of being like, what are your hobbies? Like it's it's more creative and it's more fun. So there's a lot of great questions online. You're an Enneagram <laughs> 9, right? I have a lot of 9 tendencies. I'm a 2. Oh. I'm, I, have, I relate a lot with 9s, though. Uh, <laughs> it just seems like a 9 thing to do. It's a very 9 thing to do. <laughs> but it also helps to take the pressure off. Yeah, it's like, yeah. oh, I, I, if things get awkward, I have a couple good questions yeah. in my back pocket. I think if you err on the wrong side of that, though, you can end up kind of like Leslie Nope with her flashcards totally. on her date. Yeah, you don't want to go too far. <laughs> but I know. I think that's really charming. Oh, I love some good awkward silence. <laughs> <laughs> we just stare into each I other's mean, eyes. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. Well, stay tuned because up next, we talk about a couple that have successfully moved out of the dating phase and are getting ready to say I do. But first, I want to tell you all about one of my favorite ways to get the news and keep up with the issues that I care about. If you are anything like me, you enjoy researching interesting topics on YouTube and simply just being entertained. But sometimes it's hard to know what information is well-researched and trustworthy. That is where the Daily Signal comes in. We are constantly posting new videos that are designed to keep you up to date on the news you care about and give you the data and facts succinctly. The Daily Signal YouTube channel features policy explainer videos, documentaries, entertaining clips from podcast interviews, and so much more. So go ahead and subscribe to the Daily Signal YouTube channel today so you can stay informed and never miss out on the news that matters. 
All right, now time for the real news of the week. <laughs> Courtney Kardashian, arguably the best Kardashian, and Travis Barker, famous drummer of band Blank 182, are engaged. And as someone who has kept up with the Kardashians for at least half of her life, <laughs> this was major news. <laughs> <laughs> the couple has not been dating for very long, less than a year, and they got engaged in California on the beach. It was absolutely beautiful. Thousands, if not ten thousands of dollars of roses to make a heart. And it was it was classic. He got down on one knee and he proposed. And if anybody knows the story of Courtney. She is the only Kardashian to go to college, and she kind of lived a normal life before the the show blew up. So she's kind of the the salt of the earth one. She's always almost most famous for when Kim was married to Chris. She uh, lost an earring, and she's like crying. And Courtney's like, Kim, you're rich. There's people starving. <laughs> There's no reason you should be crying. But uh, she's always just been kind of the one who who keeps the family in check and um. She dated this guy, Scott Disick, for a long time, since 2005, for about 10 years. They have three really beautiful children, and um, he's not a bad guy, and he's absolutely hilarious. He really carried the show through the early seasons. <laughs> he's the one who went to England and got his lordship and made everybody call him Lord Disick. <laughs> like, he's just so funny. But he was just never—he was slightly younger than her, I think, like, three or four years, and— he wasn't a bad dad, but he wasn't a good guy, right? Like, he he never really stepped up in the ways that he needed to step up. And Courtney loved him, and, and he would – they would break up, and he would come back to her crying, and then they would get back together, right? Kind of off and on. And I think we all have friends who are in these types of relationships. So fast forward to 2021, and within nine months of them dating – Travis proposes, and it's just so beautiful to finally see this woman at 42 who this guy has been leading her on for so long. She finally kicked him to the curb, and he's – I mean, he dates women who are way too younger, young for him. But now she's with <laughs> Travis, and, and they, they're happy, and they have kids together. They, ha they have kids that, that they bring together. Yes, and they, they, to yeah, one they don't have kids together. <laughs> and they go on vacations, and also I think the craziest part, too, is sinking back in like 2005, 2007 when the Kardashians are – starting to get famous and that's when blink 182 is famous and it's just this pop culture world <laughs> this is coming more full, worlds are coming circle. <laughs> i think that was my first thought was like wow why didn't scott ever pop the question yeah like <laughs> he really missed out i mean they were serious they yeah three they children have, they have beautiful children and she's beautiful yeah like for that i'm like all right travis good for you yeah. you didn't wait Gotta yeah. get in there. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I just I never take any of them seriously oh, when it comes to marriage or engagements because they just get married so many times and they get engaged so many times. It makes me wonder what's the point. You yeah. know, like what what symbolism does it have in their mind? Like how serious are they about it? Do you think this will last, Lauren? Oh yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Lauren's invested. Hundred <laughs> percent. I do not believe there, it. Yeah. <laughs> He, she tattooed "I love you" on his arm. Okay, oh, okay, that's forever. Yeah, that. Mm. I, I think Kim and I think Kim and Kanye would have made it, but Kanye just—he has—he's a genius, which Kim admits. He just has some some mental stuff going on, which you can't blame her. I mean, we don't support divorce, but we can't blame her. But she was really in love, and they—they they really. I mean, they get their children baptized. They—they they do go to church. Yeah, they—they they have some questionable values but they they they, <laughs> they take care of their kids and i think 
you know, Courtney, to some extent, did give Scott 10 years of her life and, and was in that relationship. And she probably shouldn't have committed to him. Um, and I don't know. I, I think at the end of the day, there's a lot of bad influences in our society. And I, you you look at the photos of Courtney and Travis and they are a little inappropriate. But at the end, <laughs> But I do feel like... It's some weird 21st century American family values, right? They do, at the end of the day, hit, her sisters were at the engagement. I think her kids were probably too young. Mason is the oldest at 11. So, uh, But Travis's kids were there. They're in teenagers. And um, Chris and her boyfriend, Corey, were there. And so it, there, it was a family affair. It is, it is why they're weirdly famous for an inappropriate reason and do have all these divorces. At the end of the day, they... They do step up at the right time for one another. Well, I think there's such an interesting dichotomy that is the reason why people are fascinated with the Kardashians. Because, Lauren, there is that element where we can all maybe see a little bit of our own family in them. A little bit of the Mm. craziness, a little bit of the dysfunction, the drama. And then there's this other level where it's just totally other. Where the amount of money that they have, the lifestyle that they live, the things that they worry about versus the rest of the world worries about are so different that it is fascinating for us to see, wow, what is that life like? Yeah. Uh, and that creates – it creates great television. It does. <laughs> and I believe the engagement was recorded and is going to be a special on Hulu and I'm sure the wedding will be televised by somebody. But it does show our own lives but hyper – sensationalized both in the fame aspect right but like i feel really bad for chloe like the lord made chloe a a beautiful person he did not make her to look like her sisters kim and courtney and she spends so much time on her plastic surgery and the way that she gets her photos photoshopped and if god forbid somebody accidentally posts a photo where she looks like chloe it's like a big deal and then you look at rob which is the brother who really kind of fame burned him out and he's now has a lot of issues. It, it does kind of cut both ways mm-hmm. where they get a lot of great things out of it, but their family has gone through oh, a yeah. lot of hardships. No, I don't think I would, I would not choose that at no, all. It would be so hard to have your intimate life exposed that much. Yeah. Even just your engagement being published, your, the whole thing, the video, that's very invasive. And I, I know they're used to that, but I, and I would have a hard time believing that everything would be completely natural in your televised engagement and wedding, you know, mm-hmm. like that's, no. that's supposed to, you're supposed to just be able to cry when you see your bride walking down the aisle, but then, you know, the whole world's watching. So you yeah. might react differently. Very true. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that's not the only Kardashian news that has broken this week. Kanye has officially changed his name to just yay. So Kanye's name is, yep. Like you said, Lauren, it's just Ye, no last name. His whole legal name is Ye. So the question is why, Lauren, you are the Kanye West expert here. Why did Kanye change his name? He says that Ye is a word used in the Bible and that it it went from Kanye, who just means me, to us, right? So it's a reflection of, of God and it kind of grows into his Christian faith, which... I want to believe. I mean, I, I do. I'm a big advocate that I see the best in Kanye, that he has a lot of flaws. and But I think he loves Jesus. And I think he has a such a big creativity that it sometimes 
hurts him, right? Like he just sees the world so much differently than the average person, which allows him to be so such a genius musically, but also I think causes a lot of internal emotional issues with him. But at the end of the day, I still just think he likes the name. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like came to him one night and he was like, that's cool. Let's yeah. do that. <laughs> yeah. Like Kanye. Well, it sounds cool, but everybody's been saying Kanye. Let me just go with yay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was reading up on it and I was interested. Forbes had a really interesting angle just talking about, like you said, Lauren, he made this decision for personal reasons. But Forbes says he's probably going to reap a lot of positive financial benefits mm-hmm from it that, you know, his sneaker brand Yeezys just by now having the name Yay, there's an automatic connection there. It's easier to brand and market. It drives attention to the brand. He's getting a ton of free press right now. Well, like we're doing right now, giving him free press. (laughs) Uh, And then also having those really short one syllable names is actually something uh, that appeals to the younger generation and is sort of Mm. a fad among celebrities to have these really short names. Do you think people are going to start naming their kids yay? Mm. Oh, absolutely. Can I name my kid yay? No. No, no. Lauren Evans. No. (laughs) Please don't do that. (laughs) Well, as much as I could talk about Kardashian news all day, our next story is a lot just deeper, and it's, it's almost a hard transition to make. But I think it's a good way to look at our society and and know what's around us and also say when something is wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And a quick warning for all of our listeners. uh, We are going to be talking about a rape case in this next segment. So um, if that's something that you don't want to listen to or you're with kids, uh, you just might want to skip ahead about five or 10 minutes. So last week, a woman in Philadelphia was raped on a public transit train. There were other passengers in the train car, but no one called 911. In fact, there were even reports that riders were holding up their phones to record what was happening, but no one actually took the action step to help the woman. A a transit employee eventually saw what was happening and he called 911. Uh, The police officer, he was waiting at the next stop. He entered the train car. He ripped the man off of the woman and that guy is now in jail. So all the details of the situation are still coming out. But the man apparently entered the train at the same time as the woman. He harassed her for about 40 minutes before pulling her pants down. This case is disturbing and in of itself, but it's disgusting. And it's almost unfathomable to think that there were people in the train who saw it, recognized it, pulled out their phone and did nothing to help. Yeah. So there's this interesting right away. My mind went back to my high school psych class. And Mm. we talked about this phenomenon of the bystander effect, that when you're in a crowd of people and you see something happen, something going wrong that the police should be involved with, there can be this automatic assumption of, oh, someone else is going to call 911. That's not my job. Um, Sometimes there's fear around it. Sometimes, uh, you know, people just get caught up in the moment. But often, if if there's more than just one or two people there, Actually, it's it's less likely that someone's going to call 911, that as the crowd gets larger and larger and larger, uh, the percentage of, of likelihood that someone will call 911 actually goes down. Yeah, Virginia, I was thinking the same thing. In fact, I was talking to a friend about this story the other day, and she said that she was getting off the train a couple days ago, and there was a homeless person lying at the bottom of the escalator. Mm-hmm. And it was right after she had read this story, and everybody going up the escalator was just stepping over the homeless person to go mm-hmm. up, which is so sad, too. If you think about it, this is a human person with dignity lying on the ground, and everyone's 
stepping over them. I mean, this person probably overdosed. Um, and it's the same type of um, conditioning, I think, that people assume, oh, if no one else is doing anything, why should I? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And this story made me sad for a bunch of reasons initially just because it's so horrible that this would happen to this woman. But I also wasn't too shocked that the people mm. didn't help. Mm. And that made me really sad as well because in the world we're living in, I think we're being conditioned to think of ourselves first mm-hmm. and to not be involved in other people's problems. And that's incredibly scary and sad. Well, and I wonder if people pulling out their phones and filming, if they thought that that was their way of helping, that, oh, if this guy gets away, we'll have film, you know, video footage to be able to prove who he was. Because we have, we've seen that, that there is more accountability now uh, with literally cameras everywhere and people filming everything. And maybe in some ways now we're seeing the negative effects of that. I don't know. Uh, I think that's very noble of you to think the best of people, but... My guess is that they were Snapchatting or yeah. thinking about a viral TikTok. But even if that is your thought of, like, helping, a woman is being assaulted in front of you. Like, oh, yeah. How, how – Call 911, film later. Right. <laughs> right. Like, there are times where you should film, right? Like, if you see something happening that doesn't just kind of pass the sniff test, but nobody's in physical danger. Mm-hmm. I want to use the example of a two-year-old wearing a mask. Two-year-olds probably shouldn't wear a mask. It's it, There's a lot of debate behind it, but at the end of the day – there's no the child is not going to die for having to wear a mask. This woman is being sexually assaulted. Mm-hmm. He's pulling down her pants. You're seeing the act of a felony happen. If your thought is to let me film this when nobody else is helping, you are not helping. Mm-hmm. You are enabling. Yeah, we we've seen so many people videotaping things throughout the pandemic, particularly, I think. Um it's just exacerbated this filming problem and I read on a DC blog the other day that a woman was walking her dog and someone else didn't like how she was walking her dog and they were angry with her. So they just started filming her and screaming things at her. And that's kind of, we see that a lot. We see people just, they're like, Oh, I'll take the power of the filming and the internet into my hands and film this person doing something that doesn't affect anyone, but I don't like it. And we've, we've kind of spiraled out of control with this. It's gone too far. Like let people live their lives. Right. Right. It's not, most things are none of your business, but a rape on a train, that is absolutely your business. And I think I heard that the police are looking into charging the people who were filming if Mm. they were slash if they weren't helping, because um, if they were filming and not helping, that could constitute a crime. Yeah. Yeah. Complicit with it. Well, a couple tidbits um, to help help you know what to do in maybe situations like this if you ever find yourself in in some situation remotely close to this. Uh, So first off, to help prevent the the bystander effect, if if you're in a situation where you need help or you're trying to help someone and you're not able to call 911, specifically pointing to someone in a crowd and saying, like, you in the red shirt, call 911, that's really helpful instead of just shouting out, someone call 911, because, again, everyone's going to assume someone else is doing it, but actually giving that instruction to someone mm-hmm. specifically. Um, and then sometimes you might be in a situation where you don't feel safe with the people around you, like if it's, if it's a domestic abuse situation where you might not feel safe with the people around you knowing that you're contacting the cops. Have you all heard of the ordering pizza strategy? Mm-mm. I haven't. Okay, so a woman did this a couple years ago, and I've heard people mention it a couple different times. But you can call 911 and pretend that you're ordering a pizza. And 
you can you have to kind of they say you know make sure you're kind of clearly articulating and using the tone of your voice to try to try to imply to the dispatcher on the other line like I'm in trouble. The strategy has kind of gotten out, and I think a lot of dispatchers, nine one one dispatchers, are aware of it now that it's a strategy that individuals will use. Um, but two two years ago, a woman did this. She called nine one one and said, "You know, I need to order a pizza." And at first, the guy was like, "I think you have the wrong number." And she was like, "No." I have the right number. I need to order a pizza. And then he started asking her questions and was like, you know, cheese or pepperoni. Okay, say pepperoni if, you know, if you're being threatened right now and like giving those types of answering questions. And the situation, you know, potentially saved her life of just that quick thinking. I was like, that's such a useful strategy. (laughs) Um, And then also now a lot of uh, different counties across America have a text 911 option. You have to look up and see if your county has that, but a lot offer that now. So that's also a great strategy. Like for the people sitting on this train, if they, you know, let's say it was just women and they felt unsafe calling 911, they could have texted. All right. Great advice, Virginia. We're going to take a quick break, but don't go far. We'll be crowning our problematic woman of the week. Virginia Allen here. I want to tell you all about a great way you can stay in the know on all the news The Daily Signal covers. Social media. The Daily Signal has an active presence on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We are constantly posting news stories, clips from interviews, videos, and more across all our social platforms. Follow The Daily Signal on social media so you can get all the latest content from reels on Instagram to video clips on Facebook and political commentary on Twitter. Now it's that time, once again, my favorite time of the week, time to crown our problematic woman of the week. And the crown goes to Mary Margaret Olihan. <laughs> so Mary Margaret, I'll be honest, you've been here for what, a week and a half yet? And we met on your first day. Your mm-hmm. boss, Kate Tranko, brought you around. But we have not talked much. So I thought it would be fun to kind of get to know you on the air. All right. Uh, and one fun fact I learned is that you have like a bunch, like a, a lot of siblings. <laughs> Can you tell us how many you have and what it was like growing up with that many kids? Yes, of course. It's one of my favorite things to talk about. So I am the second of 11 children. <laughs> you should see, even our producer was like, whoa. <laughs> I love telling people that because usually they're like, oh, you're from a big family, right? And I'm, I say, yes, I am. I'm one of 11. And their face changes from just smiling to like, gaping. (laughs) Um, And it's really fun. I'm the oldest girl. I have an older brother. And then I have four sisters and six brothers. And the boys are kind of bottom heavy. They're at the bottom of the Mm. family and the girls are in the middle. And it's really nice because my sisters are my best friends. Mm. We are like a little squad. And we live out in Northern Virginia near the mountains. So we love going hiking and getting up early and going and seeing the sunrise. Um, and we have a favorite diner in our town that we like Aww. to haunt. We kind of started going there a lot during the pandemic when there was nowhere else to go. And, um, yeah, it's really fun. We love sitting around the fire, reading books, watching movies. Uh, Christmas is so fun at my house. Yeah. So I would say that my family is a huge part of who I am. I'm also a Catholic and that all of that together uh, has really formated who I am and what I do do for work and what I choose to write about. Um, and I love it. I think that um, being a Catholic reporter as I am has mm-hmm. 
been a lot of fun and I think that the work I do is really fulfilling. I love that. What mm-hmm. drew you to journalism in the first place? Um, that's a good question. I I guess I was working one job and I, I liked it a lot, but I started noticing that I felt the itch to say things for myself and to be more active than rather than reactive to news and to stories I was hearing. And the Kavanaugh hearings back when in September 2018, I believe, when Christine Blasey Ford accused Brett Kavanaugh of sexual assault, it got me really fired up just the way that all played out, the hypocrisy, the double standards, um, the blatant lying. And it really inspired me to kind of take action. Mm -hmm. And I applied for a fellowship with the Daily Caller News Foundation in uh, March 2019, and I got it. And I've been writing ever since, and I love it. I love that. You know what's interesting? You're not the only staffer on the Daily Signal that has Kavanaugh as like the turning point where they decided they want to get involved in politics. And I just love. I, we covered the rally, and there were so many like angry women there, and they they had no idea what they were doing. <laughs> like Kavanaugh still got elected, and they inspired a bunch of conservatives oh, to get get involved. So many people were radicalized by that nomination. I have many friends I think that entered politics and media and the conservative movement because of those hearings. Mm-hmm. So thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good. Uh, that's a good segue for our next question, which we ask everyone here on Problematic Woman. Do you consider yourself a feminist? Yes or no? <laughs> no, I do not. Um, and I do know many good women that I respect that would say yes to that question and would say that you can harness the word feminist and the feminist movement to accomplish good things. But I personally reject that label because of what it has become. And I prefer to you know, try and change hearts and minds by just being a strong woman who, as a Catholic conservative, I think if you proceed with dignity and you don't stoop to the level that a lot of feminists do, you can do a lot more good without without any feminist associations. I don't like the, the vulgarity that often accompanies that or the um, manliness that a lot of feminists try to assume. Where I'm a woman. I don't want to be a man. I, mm-hmm. I want to be respected for my femininity and the strengths that I have that come with that. So I I don't, I would not call myself a feminist. I would instead call myself a conservative woman. And um, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> love it. Well, that seems like a great place to leave it this week. Mary Margaret, thank you so much for joining us. And that'll be it for this week's edition of Problematic Women. Join us on Tuesday morning for an interview edition of Problematic Women. And of course, then on Thursday next week. And Lauren and I will be back with you. But in the meantime, please take a moment to subscribe and share. Conservatives need your support in the podcast world, and we would greatly appreciate a five-star review on Spotify, CastBox, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. It really does make a difference. Have a great week. And again, we'll see you Tuesday. Problematic Women is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is a product of The Daily Signal, produced by Lauren Evans and Virginia Allen. Special thanks to our editor-in-chief, Katrina Trinko. We produce Problematic Women in remembrance of our dear friend and former co-host, Bree Payton.